0: Want to continue in our message uh, in Colossians. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Colossians and get ready there. We're moving into chapter 2, and we're getting started in just a few moments on that, but one of the, the funniest stories I saw a couple of years ago, and when I see interesting stories, I try to save them so i remember, and this is one that just is always, I've never had any problems with memory. In 2018, a woman in Pennsylvania um, was driving one night and the police came and found her and she was literally sort of driving down the railroad tracks. Her car was stuck and she couldn't go any further, but she had got about 25 feet off the road and was stuck on the railroad tracks. And they went up, they knocked on the window, they expected her to be, you know, drunk out of the mind, but she seemed pretty lucid. And they said, ma'am, what's going on? And she said, my GPS told me to turn down here. And so she did. And she got stuck. And I'm thinking already, right here to begin with, if any of you guys are Office fans, if you (laughs) might know what I'm talking about, the show The Office, there's an episode back when Dwight and Michael Scott are driving and they're listening to the GPS and it says, turn right. And it means, you know, like 50 feet. But there is a little road right here. And Michael turns in and what's he turning to? Like, drives into a lake and he's like, no, no, no! He's like, it's just a turn. like turns in, and the car, you know, is submerged, and they get out. And it's hilarious. But I'm thinking, isn't that funny that the office is set in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and a Pennsylvania woman in 2018 basically does the same type of thing? She listens to her GPS and turns down a railway track. And here's the here's the truth I want you to know is that what happens in life is this: if you start off With a faulty premise, you'll end up with a faulty conclusion. You know what I'm saying? If you start off with a wrong beginning, you're going to end up at the wrong place normally. And what that woman did was she said, okay, I'm going to listen exactly and explicitly to my GPS, to the letter of the law, and when it says turn, I'm going to turn even though you look and there's a street right up here, but there's a train track right here. And she turns down a railroad track. She started with a faulty premise. I'm going to listen. And the moment it says turn, I'm not going to think at all. And I'm going to do that. And what did it do? Got her in trouble. Thankfully, praise Jesus, there was no train coming, right? That would have been a whole other story. Side note, I'll tell you this later. My uncle has literally been hit by trains and cars twice and is still alive. I'll tell you that later. That's another story. No, no kidding. No kidding. He's not from Pennsylvania, but he's from North Carolina. So, literally, been in cars twice, been hit by trains, still walking around to this day. That's crazy. But the the truth is this. Here's what I want you to get. How you start impacts how you finish. How you start, and really anything, impacts how you finish. Even if you start off on the wrong course and you get back on track, you won't finish as well as if you started the correct way. You understand what I'm saying here? We can apply this in every area of life. And in the Christian life, our goal is, is to grow up and meet Jesus face-to-face. We're saved by the grace of God, but we're calling God's calling us to grow up and move forward and meet Jesus face-to-face one day. And so the question is, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to grow up and just be ready as everything to meet Jesus face-to-face? Last week, if uh, you were here... We talked about how, uh, yes, we understand the truth, and we're saved by grace. There's nothing you or I can do to, to earn our salvation, to make God love us. He loves us in spite of our sin. We are completely saved by grace. But we also talked about that if you stay a spiritual baby your entire life, you don't bring anybody with you, do you? Because babies don't raise anybody. Do babies are cute, but they don't, make, they don't help out around the house. A lot of times teenagers don't help out around the house. But anyway, they do, they do something. But babies definitely don't. Andrew is the creator of messes. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's what his name means in Greek, is destroyer of worlds. I don't know exactly. But he just he makes up messes, and he's not even truly a baby anymore. But babies' infants don't add much to the equation. You love them, they're cute, they're adorable, but you want to see them grow up. And so what we have to do is understand how you grow up and make a difference for the kingdom of God. I mean, ultimately, is that what you want to do? Can you say that? I want to grow up and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Or I want to keep growing and make a difference for the kingdom of God. I hope that is your prayer. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Colossae that he's struggling and fighting for them. And he had never met you know, this was a church that he did not plant but he cared for them deeply and he's writing this letter and he was willing to suffer so that they could know Christ better look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 1 Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and those that labor to see him and for all who have not met me personally he also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 when he's he writing to the church at Corinth he says I have labored And toil, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger, I have known thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led in his hand, and I do not inwardly burn? You see, the apostle Paul suffered so much hardship. He suffered so much hardship for the cause of Christ. And if you read this passage if you get the context around it, there's even more that we didn't even talk about here in the verses we read. He suffered in other ways. The greatest weight for him, though, with all the physical suffering, the greatest weight for him was what? His concern for all the churches. He's telling the church at Colossus, he's telling the church at Corinth, he's telling the church at Ephesus. He said, my greatest concern is for you that you would grow and be a, a spiritual giant instead of a spiritual baby your entire life. That you would go and you'd see Jesus face to face and you'd hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That was his goal. And that was the greatest struggle he had, is caring. He said, when people are hurt, I hurt. When people are suffering, I suffer. And I want you to know something. If there's one thing that I can impress on you guys, is that there are people that feel the same way about you. And if I'm being really honest, I'm one of them. I'm absolutely one of them that wants to see you grow and prosper in your faith and bring as many people with you as possible. I am not the Apostle Paul and I have not even begun to suffer like he did, but my concern for all the church and, and churches in general is, is deep and it hurts me. And, and over my years of ministry, man, it literally... There's times that brings me to tears to think about people that have walked away from Jesus and his church. And it brings me to tears when you hurt because of things that happen to you that you have no control of. It brings me to pain when I see you hurting and suffering. It brings me pain when I see Christians hurt other Christians. It brings me pain and it brings me struggle to, to see the struggle that you bear. It brings my heart to see people walk away or walk away or get trapped in sin hurt one another so Paul was saying to the church at Colossae he said don't give up I want to see you succeed in Christ and I'm telling you right here today don't give up don't give up Satan wants you to give up on anything in this world his plan every day, day in and day out is to get you to quit He's trying to do his best to sweep the leg like a kid, right? He's trying to do all his best to knock you down, to put roadblocks in front of your way, to build walls that you think are impenetrable, that you can't go around, that you can't climb over. And I'm here today to tell you, don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep standing strong. But the key to not giving up is growing up. The key to not giving up is growing up. Um... I started to do a couch to 5k and I know there are a couple of other people in the church and I know one is Sam. We're trying to really get back into running and I think Michael Chapel is. There may some others either that are doing that and I used to run a lot, but I'm telling you this, when you've been off running for a long time, you get out there, especially as you get a little bit older, when you get out there, you feel like everything, you're like, you like this. And it's like every little step hurts and it just, it pains you. But the thing is, babies, they only want to walk a few steps, you know. Andrew, to a T, every time we want to go for a little walk in the neighborhood, he wants to bring uh, his little bicycle scooter, he wants to bring all these toys, and he's he's going to ride it, right? That's basically what he's telling you. I'm going to ride this thing. I'm going to ride this thing for 100 miles, Dad. And he, he does it about 100 feet. And then he's like, carry me and carry this bike, you know? And that's the way we are as spiritual babies. When times get tough and we get tired, we just want to quit, and we want somebody else to carry us. But we need to be carrying other people once we've been around the faith for a while. And so what he says is the best thing or or the understanding we get is the best way to not give up is to grow up. And how you grow up depends on how you start. So let's look at the goal and work back. Look at verse 2 with me in Colossians chapter 2. Paul says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's a, it's wording. It, it, it's sort of in depth. But look at it for a second. The full riches of a complete understanding of Christ. That's what Paul wanted for them. That's what he wants for you and me. What does that really mean? Do you feel like your relationship with Christ can be described that way? The full understanding of the riches of Christ. I'm here to tell you that no matter how much you study, there's always going to be another level of riches that you're still going to uncover. So what does that tell you then on the opposite side of that? Always keep studying. Don't feel like you've reached this point where you know all the answers. Because when you think that, man, you're really a long ways off from the real treasure. And so we always have to keep studying the full riches of Christ and understanding him. I truly believe that because I've lived this at some points in my life. So many of us are missing out on the riches of being a Christian. That's why it's so easy for us to walk away. Because we only have a surface relationship sometimes with Jesus. And when you have a surface relationship sometimes with Jesus, of course there doesn't seem to be a lot of benefit in following Christ. It seems like everybody else in the world who doesn't follow Christ has it so easy and it seems like their life is smooth, is, is smooth sailing. But what you understand is this, you have just begun to scratch the surface of the depth of the riches of of what it is to have a relationship with Christ. And once you start to get in that, you see the value in following him every single day of your life. The world offers you instant gratification, right? Am I right? The world offers you instant gratification, but it's always fleeting. It always wears off quickly. And it seems like when you follow Jesus, sometimes the the gratification doesn't come right away. But it's so much richer. Think about it this way it's a lot like settling for costume jewelry instead of real gold. It's like settling for fool's gold and counterfeit money. You know, how much would you like it if your boss paid you in Monopoly money next week? That's no good, because Monopoly ends relationships, right? When you play Monopoly, you get mad. So if you have to spend Monopoly money, you get real ass. Yeah, but no, the truth is, is that that's what it is. When you follow the world and the pattern of this world, it's like you're getting paid with monopoly money. You think you've got a lot of it, but it really doesn't do anything for you. But when you follow Christ, that's when you're truly rich. Here's something that's really important. All right, everybody listen to this. The level of understanding that that takes to have the full riches of complete understanding of Jesus, it only comes when you're encouraged in heart and united with love with Paul's things That was part of what he wanted for them. That they would be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they would have the full riches of complete understanding. So what do we learn from that? You and I have to be connected to the body of Christ for us to truly understand the depth of the riches of Christ's church and his kingdom and who he is as our savior. You have to be connected to the body to truly receive encouragement and be united. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I want you to answer a question. Have you ever gotten discouraged in your first response to a sort of withdrawal from other people? Yep. I'm sure probably everybody's experienced that. But that's the exact opposite of what you need to do. Because what happens is when you withdraw from other people, you go and you sort of hide yourself. Maybe even physically, but definitely emotionally and spiritually, you hide yourself. And you're sitting there and you're like, nobody can see me, nobody can see me. And then you get mad because nobody can find me. You know what I'm saying? I just said something right here. We hide and then we get mad because nobody can find us. You're playing the game behind hide and seek. nobody else signed up for. And so what we've got to do is when we get discouraged, we've got to fight against the first instinct and go and seek out our brothers and sisters in Christ so we can be united in love and encouraged in heart. To be joined together with the body. We have to be strengthened. And to be strengthened, we've got to spend time with one another, and we've got to reach out to one another. And so we wonder why people can't find us to encourage us. So when we start to drift, we get discouraged and we start to drift. We stop growing. Because all of our focus becomes on us instead of how can I get deeper in Christ? And then we'll pull it farther away. Look at verse four and five. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. To keep growing in Christ takes discipline. I wish that was not the case. I wish that it just happened naturally, but... You know this about every aspect of life. You don't improve by accident, do you? Remember Michael Phelps? You know, he's got that crazy body. You know he had this huge torso and you know these big long arms. But he worked hour upon hour upon hour in the pool to become the best swimmer of all time. He didn't just show up to a meet and be like, eh, hey, just roll out." You know, beer cans fall out of the car. You know, cheeseburger wrappers. You know, blowing out. You know, he didn't do that and just jump in the pool and win. He trained and he didn't eat he didn't eat real food, so that nasty stuff. You know, probably kale, stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, he, he trained and he had a good diet. And he did all these things because he wanted to be the best. And if you want to grow spiritually in Christ, it takes discipline, it takes effort, it takes a desire to dig in into God's word. And I know beyond the shadow of the doubt right now is I'm trying to make myself run again. That I've got to intentionally get up, get out, and go run. Put one foot in front of the other or it's not going to happen. And a firm faith takes work. You know, the journey to a firm faith is easiest for the strong beginning, Because your roots matter. Your roots matter, but it doesn't stop there. See, so hear me this. To grow up in Jesus, Paul gives us three quick things that will work for you and I as well. First, he says this. Keep walking in Jesus. Look at verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. It says in the English Standard Version, keep or continue walking in Jesus. Keep living your life in Jesus. Keep walking in Jesus. Many times when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we're like, we're so excited. You know, we believe what the Bible says, that we're a new creation in Christ. The old person is gone. The new person is gone. We're raised up to a new life. And we come out, we're so excited. And then we're like, all right, it's time to chill. Maybe because we weren't told any different. Maybe because that's all we've seen everybody else do. But many times that's what we do. And we stop growing. But what God calls us to do is continue to grow. He says continue to walk in him. What does it look like to walk in Jesus? It doesn't mean just to literally just take steps and, you know, Jesus is You Jesus. Know, I don't know. No, it's more than that, right? It's looking at your life, saying how God came to you every single part of my life. How can you use me when I'm at work? How can you use me at At Walmart. Jesus needs to be at Walmart too. I know it seems like Jesus is far from Walmart. But Jesus needs to be at Walmart. He needs to be with you in every aspect of your life when you're in traffic. Come on. No. (laughs) Easy. But he needs to be with us in every part. Continue to walk in him. Everywhere you go, Jesus needs to go with you. The Holy Spirit is in you once you become a Christian, and you need to do your best to not stifle Him and allow Him to have more power in your life. So continue to walk in Jesus. And here's something more important: not everybody has the same family story, right? Not everybody comes from great wealth. Not everybody comes from a family that seems to have it all together. And so in life, a lot of times we feel like we don't have an equal starting place. But you know what? In Christ, every single one of us has an equal starting place. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we're buried in the grave of baptism, we'll raise up to a new life. We all start fresh and we all have Jesus. We all have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God in us and we all have that same start. But it just depends. What do you do with that start? What do you do for your next step? Do you continue to walk in Him? Do you continue to live for Him? So keep walking in Jesus. Live out your faith. When you do, here's the thing. The more that you live out your faith and people see it around you in every aspect of your life, the more it challenges you to grow. But if you keep your faith private, you'll drift. If the only person that knows that you're a Christian outside of the walls of maybe your church family is the Holy Spirit, and pretty soon you're going to be drifting. You'll fade. And you'll stop growing. So we can summarize that as do. Okay? Keep walking. Continue walking in Him. Continue living in Him. Do. Remember that. The next thing is this let your roots grow deep. Let your roots grow deep. Verse 7, look there with me. It says, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So Paul tells these Christians, he said, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. We have to bear down and dig down into our roots if we're going to have a strong foundation. Y'all see those guys, and it's, it's always a mean now a lot of times now, but you've seen those guys or ladies that you know got strong upper bodies, but then you look at their legs and they look like mine, like little chicken legs. And everybody's like, oh, skip leg day, huh? You yeah, know, that's what it is. You know, no matter how big and strong your upper body is, you might be able to throw some dumbbells, but if you don't have a strong uh, foundation, a strong core, you're not going to be that strong, right? You're not going to be able to stand up against what pushing back against you. And so you have to start off strong and we all have the same level to start in Christ. The grace of God makes us whole and clean and new. But what do you do with it? You dig down deep and let your roots grow deep. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In the very early days of the church, Luke writes, he says, devoted, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And it goes on in a few verses and talks about what they did. But It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And in verse 47, it simply says this. Now, this is my paraphrase. But the Lord added daily to their number, those who were being saved. They dug down and they spent time in the apostles' teaching. And so what you and I need to do is dig our roots down into the word of God and make sure that the word of God is filling us and that we are making our decisions based on what the word of God says and not what everybody else says. The world and even people within the church are going to say, I know what that says, but you need to do what I say. And when they do that, you need to say, oh, I'm listening to Jesus. I'm listening to his word. He is the living word. I'm listening to what he says and my roots will be in him. And that's when you see the church grow by leaps and bounds, and see people being saved every day. That's where we'll see a change. If you don't see a change in your life, then maybe you've got to dig down deep and let your roots grow deep. So what are you doing to strengthen your roots? What do your Bible study habits look like? Do you have Bible study habits? This this is a struggle for most of us, for most of the days of our walk with Jesus, but you've got to fight for it. It takes discipline, just like getting out to run, just like getting out to exercise, just like eating right. It's going to take discipline, like he said earlier in the passage. But you've got to make it your commitment to generally and genuinely study the scripture day in and day out. You don't go many days without eating, and we don't need to go many days without reading God's word. I say we don't need to go any day without reading God's word. So what do your Bible study habits look like? I'm going to continue to to beat this uh, hopefully not a dead horse, but hopefully as a count, seed, get involved in a connect group. Get involved in a group of people who are studying God's word, who can sharpen you and challenge you and hold you accountable and pray with you and give you a perspective that maybe you didn't. Have that accountability. You have to have that. And then consider this, that you're filling up with God's word so you can share with other people. If you're empty, you've got nothing to share, right? Am I right? If you're innocent, you got nothing to share. Here's one little tip that I want to give you in studying God's Word. There's many more, but I want to give you this one simple one because I've seen it very, very often.
1: One that sometimes
0: people don't understand the Bible because one of the simple things that they don't take note of is, is this in the Old Testament or the New Testament? And I'll just give you that one little tip. That might be old use to you, see, but I want to give that case hey, somebody that helps somebody. Take, pay attention to are you reading in the Old Testament or the New Testament? All scripture is God breathed. And it's used for teaching training training, for beauty, for training in righteousness. All scripture is God breathed, But you can't take every Old Testament promise and apply it like it was written for you. You receive the benefits of it, maybe, if it's, it's a prophecy of Jesus or something like that, but you can't take every Old Testament passage and apply it to you and think that it's all going to work out right. What you do is you understand, I learn from the Old Testament, I look at the shadows of the things that come, and I see the reality of Christ and in his church, but then you look and you understand. So if you're reading the Old Testament, you can't interpret it the same way that you do the New Testament. That's just one little simple thing that I want to encourage you to consider. And so that's no. So we got do continue to walk in him and let your roots grow down right deep. So that's no. Know him better. And then here's the last thing. Give thanks always. Give thanks always. Verse 7b, if you will, the last half there. It says, and overflowing with thankfulness. Would you describe your life as overflowing with thankfulness? For some people it's an act. You're, you're just a thankful person. But for a lot of us. Uh, Does anybody remember Sesame Street? I guess it's still a thing. Anybody remember Oscar the Grouch? Do you relate to Oscar or Big Bird more? That's just something you can answer for yourself. Do you relate to Oscar or Big Bird more? You know, many times, uh, I think sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit more like Oscar. You know, you got a good core down there. You know, Oscar wasn't really a bad guy, but he just wasn't thankful. He wasn't grateful for everything that happened in his life. And I want to challenge you to be overflowing with thankfulness. Listen to this real quick. Your gratitude or lack of gratitude speaks volumes. Your gratitude or your lack of gratitude speaks volumes louder than you would ever imagine. And a life of gratitude attracts people to Jesus in ways that we never could imagine. And it attracts people to you. So make it your goal to make Jesus famous by giving, him, giving thanks to him at all times. You know, in the good times and the bad times. And hey, listen up, listen up. If you think 2020 is a dumpster fire train wreck, say amen. It seems like it, right? It seems like, it, it's like if anything's going to go bad, it isn't. But how much good has come even out of 2020? If you say it hasn't, I want to encourage you to stop then back up and look at the big picture. How much more time that you had with family, friends, and loved ones, even if it's digital, than you had in years? How much time did you have, at least maybe early on in the quarantine time, how much time did you have to just have a little bit more quiet than you've ever had in your life? I mean, what I'm saying is this. I mean, the list can go on, 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 on. Your list is going to look different than mine. But there are good things that happen in every single situation. You know, you've you heard it said many times before. You don't lose. It's just a lesson, right? If you think you've lost in something in your life, you just realize, look, it's just a lesson. I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to hopefully do better the next time. So make it your goal to make Jesus famous by giving thanks to him at all situations. Those are the kind of people that people are attracted to like bugs are to a light. They're attracted to people who are grateful in every situation, not the Oscar the Grouches, not the people who are always complaining and always seeing the negative. They're attracted to people who are thankful for everything and see the good that God is doing in every situation. So here's some homework. Practice a moment of gratitude every morning and every night when you lay your head on the pillow. Before your feet hit the ground, find one thing to be thankful for, or several things. And before you get up, or before you go to sleep at night, when you lay your head on the pillow, thank God for one thing, or two, or three, or ten. But practice a moment of gratitude every morning and every evening. So that's show. So we've got do, know, and show. Here's the thing. If you want to grow up, your roots matter. I can't ask you enough. I can't beg you enough. Keep the faith that you began. Keep the faith that you began. Do know and show. Do continue to walk in the faith. Do continue to know him and let your roots grow deep. And then show everybody that he has changed your life and you're thankful that even in the difficult times that Jesus is still good and Jesus Okay. it's time for the church to keep growing and I cannot tell you enough that if you think nobody is in your corner I am no. just like Paul said his heart was broken when he saw the church in pain and my heart is breaking and I'm not Paul I'm not even close but my heart breaks nonetheless when I see you struggle. and I know I've got people like you in my corner whose heart breaks when you see me struggling but I'm here to tell you that as the body of Christ, we're not made or meant to struggle and suffer alone. We're meant to come alongside and beat one another up and keep doing and knowing and showing until this room and this kingdom is full of people who know the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to sweep by and make it to heaven on your own. You want to have a training of people. Because Jesus died for every single person in this world. And it's up to us to let them know and invite them to come along. So today, as we wrap up, I want to challenge you and encourage you to be praying and considering these things that you can do to make sure you continue to grow and that your roots go down deep and that people see Jesus in you and through you. And I want you to start praying if you're not already praying for a person or people that you can go and reach out to and pray for the open eyes to see the people around you just in your everyday uh, just goings and comings. See those people and look for the opportunities that Jesus laid out for you. People need to see you do live your faith out to know God deeply and to show how much you love Him. Got something on your mind, and heart, we'd love to share it with you. I'll be off to the side. We'll pray with you, talk with you about your relationship with Christ. About maybe taking a deeper step. But well, let's not leave you here unchanged. Let's be what he's called to be. Let's pray. Father, we don't deserve it. Your grace is more than we could ever earn. We thank you, God. And I pray, Father, that our roots will grow down deep. So that we can make an impact as you impact us. Help us to reach people with your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for all these things you give us. And we pray. Amen.